up. Everybody get up. Everybody get up. Everybody needs to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep and she don't know where to find them. Go! Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to my weekly From My Mama's Kitchen talk radio show. My guest for this morning is Dr. Dan Peters. He is a psychologist and the co-founder of Parent Footprint. Dr. Dan and I will be discussing about his interactive parenting education community that offers parent footprint awareness training to make the world more compassionate and loving place, one parent and one child at a time. Good morning, Dr. Dan. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? morning? I'm doing wonderful. Good to be talking with you. Fantastic. It has been three years since you last appeared on this show, and I remember we had a wonderful conversation about your book, Make Your Warrior a Warrior. So welcome back. Thank you. I can't believe it's been three years. <laughs> I am excited to listen and basically discuss about how to be a good parent. I think that's very exciting what you guys are doing. And I'm looking forward to hearing your take on this whole process because of your experience and the things that you're doing in the community and so forth. So let us get started by getting to know you a little better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. Okay, quick walkthrough. So, uh, <laughs> born and raised in Southern California, have a younger brother, uh, two parents who they're still living, and my folks are still living in the same place I grew up in. And uh, growing up, sports was a real, uh, just a passion of mine. Multiple sports, and then about age twelve or thirteen, I think it was about age twelve, my uh, tennis coach said, "If you're going to be a real tennis player, you got to devote everything to it and quit all your other sports." And it was a really tough decision, but I did it because. I uh, really loved tennis and devoted myself to it and traveled around, played competitively, and it was just a real significant part of my uh, upbringing and I think my uh, just my development. It led me to Northern California to go. I played a year at UC Davis, um, and that's where I fell in love with uh, Northern California and, and my wife, to this, uh, my wife today. And uh, I have been in Northern California ever since. Um, love it here, work here, and now we have three kids, two uh, high schoolers, a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, and one middle schooler, a uh, 12-year-old. Uh, so I'm, uh, I, I, I try to practice what I preach, and it's, uh, it's challenging. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so that's, that, that, that's a quick run-through. Fantastic. What led you to the study of psychology? Well, you know, I always really was fascinated and enjoyed people. And mm -hmm. it wasn't until later when I realized just because of, you know, partly because of uh, the way I learn and the way I'm wired, that was just a, a way that I was oriented. Um, and so when I was growing up, I started working at summer camps and I started teaching tennis and overnight tennis camps. And 
I, I just started to really spend a lot of time with kids and really enjoyed coaching and teaching kids. And uh, when I got, this is actually a funny story. My parents took mm-hmm. me to um, a college counselor before college and, and uh, to help with the application and where I'd apply and what I'd do. And I took all these tests, and I was never a good test taker. And I walk, into the, I walk in uh, to get the feedback, and he says, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to be a business major. You're going to be a Spanish minor. You're going to go one year, then you're going to go and do an immersion program, and then you're going to go to law school, and you're going to be a bilingual attorney. And I remember thinking, oh, wow. <laughs> like, I walked out of there thinking, oh, that's interesting. But, like, nothing resonated. But I, I remember thinking, well, mm-hmm. I guess that's what men are supposed to be. You know, I guess, okay, well, mm-hmm. I'll start my mm-hmm. freshman year. So at the end of freshman year, I go back in to check in with him. I guess the follow-up appointment, part of the package probably. And uh, he says, so, you know, how's school? I said, good. He said, so what classes did you like the best? And I thought about it. I said, oh, psychology for sure. He goes, well, what classes did you do the best in? Thought about mm-hmm. it. Well, my only A's were in psychology. <laughs> he said, well, did you ever think about being a psychologist? And I said, no. He said, would you like to be? I'm like, sure, that sounds good. And then he said, okay, go back to school, change your major, go work in a lab, and then go work in a group mm-hmm. home for kids. And I did mm-hmm. all of that, and mm-hmm. there go, there, that was the beginning of my path. Very interesting. Why kids? Why kids? I, I have just – the wonder of kids, the mm-hmm. – the, the, um, plasticity and moldability and desire of kids to learn, the way kids, uh, everything is new for a long, long time, um, that you can have an impact in shaping who they are. Um, Mm -hmm. I I mean, I feel Mm -hmm. I just got lucky as a, you know, younger, as a teenager, and then as a young adult, I was naturally in environments where I was working with kids. And Mm -hmm. then I just continued to really enjoy um, being in a mentorship role, and then over, over time, just really seeing how much kids can teach us if us adults just sit back and listen, how wise mm-hmm. they are, even though they mm-hmm. haven't lived as long as us. I guess I'm alluding to the fact that, first and foremost, the profession as a psychologist, you have to be an excellent listener. It comes in handy. <laughs> it comes in handy. <laughs> Children live in the present moment, and so you have to be right there with them when you listen. You really do. You really do. And mm-hmm. I, and I, okay, so I think something that you're helping me to resonate with is mm-hmm. I just found early on how being at the right pl- place in the right time or saying or doing the right thing or not doing the right thing um, mm-hmm. really had an impact on kids. And I actually even struggled with this early in my career when we, when I was doing a lot of um, more taught to do a lot of play therapy with younger kids, and being mm-hmm. someone who's very sort of action oriented and outcome oriented, I always liked to like have a plan and know where I was going and execute the plan. And and in some of these early days, you're just like you're playing and playing and playing, and you're trying to make a difference and. And I remember when parents started to, to come in and say, you know, I don't know what you're doing, mm-hmm. but I can't tell you the change in their behavior. You know, what I was thinking is like, I don't know what I'm doing either, except playing a lot of Connect Four and shoots and ladders. Like, that's what it felt <laughs> like. And, that what I, and then over time, what I really saw is it's really these micro moments with them of how you're acting and how you're not acting mm-hmm. when you're dropping the right, maybe not the right, but um, a, a helpful 
interpretation or idea to someone in a non-threatening way where a child mm-hmm. can incorporate mm-hmm. it. And over time, having a healthy, meaningful relationship with someone they trust, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of the, it's the prototype for our healthy relationships in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I agree from the concept of you have to be engaged and mm-hmm. you have this natural sort of wanting to be a teacher, a coach, a counselor that's innately in your personality to be a very effective psychologist, don't you think? I, I do, and I feel, I, I feel blessed because this is what I talk to people about. I, I, I remember, and because I have some learning challenges that I didn't mm-hmm. really realize I had when I was growing up, is mm-hmm. I remember being in college and really struggling through GE classes, and it was when we are trying to figure out what we're supposed to be. And I remember saying to myself, gosh, if I could only have a job where I get paid to be myself. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what that meant. And I feel fortunate because I, I feel that's what happened. You know, it's kind of like a path that mm-hmm. was laid out for me and then a path that I also stepped into with vigor. But it's, yeah. um, I, so I feel fortunate because I do think it just it plays to my, to my strengths, and we all have those strengths and, 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 not, and the weaknesses as well. Very interesting. So what do you do to achieve balance in your own life between helping others, being a dad, running a website, and being an author as well as a blogger. All right, that's a big, that's an, a big <laughs> important question, and I and uh, that's been a work in progress. Uh huh. Um, it's 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 ha- it's a very it takes a lot of conscious thinking and conscious behavior to try to achieve what we call this balance. And I feel like balance is a tough thing because when you're passionate about th- something, um, that gets in the way of balance when you like to say yes that gets in the way of balance and and conversely when you have a tough time saying no which i think are different mm-hmm. things um that gets in the way of balance and i think i'm plagued with all of those things um <clears throat> so i would say what i've had to do over time is really be purposeful about what how i structure my time and how how mm-hmm. i say what i say yes to and mm-hmm. and what that includes when do I, you know, scheduling when I exercise, scheduling when I sit in quiet, scheduling when I write, um, having to really be purposeful with my office staff about what, um, how many clients um, I'm going to see every day, and whether I'm going to say yes to speaking or not to speaking, whether it's like it's so, and whether I'm going to coach or go to my kids' events, which of course is a is a priority. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really about thinking about all that. And something I shared quickly with you right before we started was, that, like, this just happened, was um, the joke is whenever we travel as a family, I always make a big deal of, like, hey, guys, come in the line with me. I'm a Southwest <laughs> A-lister. And I remember it took me a couple years of grueling travel to become a Southwest A-lister. And then last year I made the goal and promised my family that this year I am not going to be an A-lister. And the funny thing is, is I got an email from them last week that said, congratulations, you've reached A status. And I'm like, wait a second. No, I didn't. I didn't travel enough. And then they emailed me right back and said, we apologize. We incorrectly gave you A status. You are not A status anymore. And I celebrated. So I feel like I, I think it's about really being conscious and purposeful, which is what, you know, a lot to do with w- what we've built the training around. So, again, mm-hmm. trying to practice what I preach, it's, it's, it's hard, but it's so important. Very, very interesting. How about this, though? The times that you spend in your work, 
because you've done this for quite a while, for at least about 20 years or so. So doing things in this situation where you are actually mapping your own work-life balance, how about the people that you were talking to? Because obviously 20 years is a span to whereby you are seeing different generations. So what kind of changes have you seen or growth in the generations in the last 20 years? Yeah, I think the the biggest change is mm-hmm. this is the technology. Mm-hmm. Um and how, you know, when I started um being a psychologist with kids and families, there were no such thing as um you know, I mean, internet was just starting and if you're the only adults knew what an internet was if they did and there were certainly right. no smart uh, cell phones or smartphones. So that that whole thing has is has changed dramatically because a common parental challenge these days is how do you manage technology? How do you manage gaming? How do you manage smartphones when kids have access to virtually any piece of information in the world in their fingertips, in their dark rooms at night while you're sleeping? And so that's the hugest change. I think the other things are all really similar about, you know, what's your values, what's your, what, how do you reinforce behavior? whether you have a special needs child or you don't have a special needs child, whether it's divorce. I mean, all of those things are, are, are the same, but it's, the, it's really the technology. And I think we're, we're in a living experiment right now. Like, we are not going to know the impact of the digital age on our kids and on our uh, growing society until we look back on it. That's very interesting. I know you are a learned person. You write to read a whole lot and so forth. Which author's work really influenced you the most? Um, well, let me, let, me, let me preface this by saying mm-hmm. I love information and knowledge, and I love the idea of reading, but it's hard for my mind to actually stick with books. Like I'm the king of reading like the first two chapters uh-huh. <laughs> of books. <laughs> and, uh, so, so I really need something that grabs me. And so I have to say that the author that grabs me the most, and I just so look forward to his writing, is Malcolm Gladwell. I just mm-hmm. love the way everything from, I believe his first one was Tipping Point, and then Blink, and Outliers, and David and Goliath. Um, I just, I love, I think the reason I love it is because I love learning about human nature and the way he puts a different spin on statistics and explaining behavior and about timing and who who gets it and who doesn't get it it's just it's just fascinating to me very interesting one of the things that i found out about you is that you get into the experience of moments in your life you connect very well you're a thinker and you really get absorbed into the moment and think about things that leads me to ask you the next question in the sense that life is a journey of experiences. Can you share the one about your grandmother who passed away not so long ago? Yes. Um, so my grandma, um, whose name was Thelma, and uh, it was before going through Ellis Island, um, was uh, Tauby, who our youngest is named after, she came over. So she just passed away. She passed away a year ago, and she was a few months shy of 105 years old. And this woman was just the 
I want to say the glue of our family, but more than the glue, like she was just, she embodied love and compassion for everyone she came across. And and we have a a very large family. Um, She had several Mm -hmm. great grandkids. And every single person, whether you were biologically part of the family or you had married into the family, you felt like she made you feel like you were her favorite and not by ever saying it because everyone was her favorite. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. what's, what's so – she's impacted so many of us um, is that she was, she was running – at age four, she would tell us stories when she was in Latvia. She and her mother were running away from their village um, sort of pre – She's 1911, so it was World War One, and she remembers right. bullets flying over their head. She remembers living um, in thatch in, in huts with her family with dirt floors, and she came over to America as as a young person, 11 years old, and with nothing. And just because of that, I think it just who her temperament. She just appreciated and loved everyone and everything, and she adapted to to life here and family, different family members who were going through different new world things. And um, she always just loved and smiled and led and just led with love. And I feel like that is what she has left our family with and um, me with. And, um, you know, to show, to give you just the impact. So my middle guy, Mm -hmm. our son from, I mean, he, he, the picture of them is on the screensaver of his phone, and that's his great-grandmother. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she just touched everyone, and uh, thank you for asking about her. So it's just really, I, I just think about her often and just how she connected with people and just if I can have a, do a fraction of that every day and appreciate what I have, a fraction <laughs> of what she did, I think, you know, we'll be okay. I bet you heard a lot of wonderful stories of the generations, being that you're an excellent listener, and... She is a walking history book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, she, from everything from they, they immigrating to Cleveland and living with family, then going to L.A., then running their meat store and their butcher market mm-hmm. and driving around with chickens and having holes in the, bo- <laughs> in the bottom of their vans where they could see the street when they're doing meat deliveries and the way she would just she was she had this laughter that when she would describe mm-hmm. the stories, which at you know you would think that they were hardship, she would just mm-hmm. laugh as she was telling the story and saying, "I can't believe we did that. I can't believe we got through that." And um, you know, it's just a it's it's life. You know, like life right. is messy and life life is life. So yeah, so true. You have hinted just now about some difficulties that you have in your life. How has living with dyslexia affect your life in a significant way? Um, I think a few ways. Um, one is, you know, and I did allude to, like, you know, I love the idea of reading, but reading is actually laborious for me, and I never would have thought mm-hmm. that I would write anything um, because I hated to write. I, I mean, literally, physically write, get my words out were hard. Um, well, a few ways. So on the one hand, Living with dyslexia, so I didn't know that I had dyslexia until our Mm -hmm. third of three kids were diagnosed, and then the fingers were pointing um, a lot to me, um, and it kind of all made sense. So I think one significant way is I had to work really, really hard um, to do a fraction as well as my friends who didn't have dyslexia. Um, And so I didn't understand it 
so I, I worked really, really hard because it was as a firstborn, you know, be kind of a perfectionist thinker. I wanted to do well, and I was a you know a pleaser and achievement oriented person. Mm-hmm. So it really, I think, helped me learn to work hard in early age. I think the other way is, you know, this has a pro and a con is that mm-hmm. I never felt very smart. So. I never, it's not like I was ever walking around thinking I was the smart guy or had anything over anyone else because I didn't. Um, And so I think there's a natural humility that comes from it, but not just because you're humble, it's because you don't necessarily feel like you got that much to say about yourself. So again, pros and cons, but I think it did impact me significantly that way. I think in another way is what I've learned by my work with my uh, colleagues, uh, Dr. Brock and Fernet Eide, who have um, wrote the book The Dyslexic Vantage and, mm-hmm. um, and have a great nonprofit called The Dyslexic Advantage, is that there are strengths that come with being dyslexic. And that's the other thing I was alluding to earlier, is some of the strengths are dyslexics tend to be creative problem solvers, intuitive um, being able to like read and uh, process emotions in people, and also tend to be storytellers. Um, mm-hmm. And I, so I feel like when I when I, I don't know when I put that wish out there, uh, I just wish <laughs> I could do something, you know, get paid to be myself. So I yeah. I, I fortunately found a job where so significant it, it's impacted me in the in the strength set that I use for my job every day now. Other classes like statistics and other stuff, that was not easy getting yeah. here. But uh, I, I had the motivation and uh, learned to ask for help. <laughs> Interesting. So why did you and your co-founder, Payment Fastly, created Parent Footprint? Well, Parent Footprint was created like simply, bec- like, simply due to our joint passion Mm-hmm. really for wanting to get information to parents and to the world about how to raise healthy and loving kids who can be healthy and loving and create a positive impact on the world and have satisfying lives. Like it really just it started right there. And we've come at it in these two different ways. In you know, I've been sitting in my seat for over two decades and for even longer than that, he'd been working in uh, the Silicon Valley in technology. And as we were talking, he said, you know, so he's developed, he developed this, this, this strategy, this business strategy that he led companies in called VSEM, Vision, Strategy, Execution, and Metrics. And he said, you know, it's, it's amazing to him. He's led these big companies, these big initiatives where you create this vision, you create this strategy, you execute the plan, and then you look at the metric to see it's working. And it occurred to him that most parents, including himself, like when we parent, which is the most important job we have, like most people just fly by the seat of their pants. They don't mm-hmm. have their strategy. They don't have their vision. They don't see if it's working, and they don't change it if it's not working. And so we started to think about, gosh, he has got all this experience doing that. I've got all this experience sitting in the chair, and I talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. My frustration was I, this thing that I do, I can only reach so many people. I can only cut so many hairs, to use the barber analogy, at, 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 yeah. at once in a day, and it's costly. And so he, his career was about scaling platforms to reach lots of people. And so we got together with this passion of, like, how do we get this information out there 
and use modern-day technology, which is in our face all day long, to create what we felt doesn't exist, an interactive mm-hmm. parent training pro- program that really, it really simulates sitting down with me to create a personal experience uh, in short videos that is mm-hmm. responsive to how you answer questions because parents are so busy these days. So, mm-hmm. so how do we put this in their lap and make a difference? Very interesting. Very, very interesting. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. I am Johnny Pan, your host, and my guest is Dr. Dan Peters. He is a psychologist and the co-founder of Parent Footprint. We're discussing his interactive parenting education community that offers Parent Footprint awareness training to create successful parenting footprints that you can pass to your children and your grandchildren. How is Parent Footprint different from other parenting resources? Um, Well, I'll tell you. Um, It's different. Well, first of all, the whole image behind Parent Footprint was chosen very carefully. So the whole idea is to create this awareness that we all have put footprints that were placed on us by our parents, positive, mm-hmm. negative, neutral, and we are all placing our footprints on our kids who will do the same with our grandkids. So we're passing something on that was passed on to us. Lots of it, a lot of it is not conscious, not thinking. So the way our program is different is a lot of times, so people either go to counseling, people go to parenting classes, um, lots of people watch great videos online, you know, where you, you buy mm-hmm. some videos online and you watch them at your leisure and you listen. Where ours is different is we've created short video modules that are designed to take people where they are in their current state of life, their as is state, mm-hmm. and move them to where they want to be by helping them become aware of what their footprints were that were placed on them and how and what what footprints are they placing on their kids what are their parenting beliefs how are they acting in their own life to model for their kids what do they want for their kids and how will they go about a plan to create their own vision of successful parenting based on what is important to them now Mm -hmm. what's different is these short videos that are strategically placed with content in a particular order are me talking to you. So you're looking at me on the screen, and I'm saying, the first one, hey, this starts with you. We all have to look at who we are as people, and I talk about something, talk about you as a parent, as a person. And then I ask a particular question. And based on that question, you, have a, you can choose from three responses to capture how you feel or what your response is, and then you get an individualized video based mm-hmm. on your response. So it's 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 sitting it's like sitting down with me, me asking you a question, and then based on where you are, you get a response. Now, what's also unique is we've opened the training up, so you can take it as many times as you want as you're working mm-hmm. on yourself and thinking about things, and then you can answer the questions differently each time as you're growing and learning to get a different response to each of the visual modules. Very interesting. When you guys put this program together, were you two targeting a specific parent group? No. We, I mean, our vision is mm-hmm. targeting any parent who wants what's best for their kids. 
And so really it's trying to, again, take out of the clinical room to give information that I have traveled all over talking about for so many years and how do just give this information to everyone who wants what's best for their kids and wants to be the best parent they can in raising healthy and successful children. Very interesting. What is the number one challenge parents face in raising their children? <laughs> the number one challenge. <laughs> um, okay, well, I talked about, I think a, most, a lot of parents would say, um, well, I'm going to talk about, I'm going I'm to try to make this into more, Johnny. I'm going to have to say more than one, but, God, I do this to yeah. people, too, and sure. they always say the same thing to me. Okay, so... I think at one level, technology is like the number one challenge of raising kids these days. Mm-hmm. But I would say like a, a general challenge of parenting is parents, unfortunately, are stressed, often stressed out. We're stressed out, we're overwhelmed, and we're worried about our kids' future. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of reasons for that. But if I can put this up as parents are busy they tend to be overwhelmed and stressed, and we're worrying about our kids. And some of the worry is legitimate uh, about what's going on in the world, um, and some of the worry is baggage from our own upbringing, and mm-hmm. we need to try to find how to let that go so our kids don't have to carry that bag for the next generation. But yeah. I think parents are stressed and overwhelmed. Where the loop back in is because they're stressed, overwhelmed, and busy – it is so hard to get the information that could be helpful to them on a daily micro basis. You know, we talk about living in the present and doing something right. purposely. It's mm-hmm. so hard to have time to, to go to counseling, to take a class, to read books. And so it's like the key is you don't have a lot of time, so what do you do with that time to really try to be purposeful about how you're parenting your kids? I agree with that because one of the things that for me personally – not necessarily from a children's standpoint of view. People ask me, say, hey, have you read this great book about da-da-da-da? And I say, no, not really, but I'm waiting for the movie to come out, and I'll be there. I like the condensed version <laughs> totally. in two hours or right. an hour and a half. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, and Time it also speaks to our, our, our digital age, right? I mean, yeah, I yeah, think we're yeah. moving towards from the written word to visual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's so true. So that's to me, that's my challenge in terms of time. And I can certainly relate to parents who is having a tremendous amount of time issue in terms of budgeting quality time to actually learn how to be effective mm-hmm. parents and to help their children with specific need that arises, basically. How can parents truly benefit from your awareness training? Well, I feel the, the, the true benefit comes mm-hmm. with the personal growth that a parent will get about themselves in their own lives. So by being so one of our main tenets is the way to raise healthy, engaged, happy, successful kids is for parents to have all of those qualities in their own life. And so this is a hard thing for a lot of us parents to to think about because we we're, we're worried about our kids, we want what's best for our kids and we often put ourselves second. And the deal is that is not good for our kids, and there's a two-for-one here. If you go through the training and you, you will learn about what is important to you in your life as an individual and also as a parent, and if you put into action 
which the, the training is designed to help you become aware of what's important, make connections about what's important, then put into action what is important for yourself and for your kids, you will be able to start moving towards a more fulfilling and engaged life while you're also parenting in a way that is completely aligned with what you want for your kids. And what we say in the training is we want – our goal as parents, and I'm talking to myself too, is to mm-hmm. be the person we want our kids to become. Mm-hmm. Model the behavior you want your kids to be. And so it's a whole 360 look, and if you go through that door, it improves the quality of your own life while meeting your goals as a parent for your kids. One of the things you mentioned just now is the fact that parents need to really take sort of a self-analysis of how they were raised because mm-hmm. that will be the mirror effect of how they will raise their kids, correct? It is. It, it's correct, and I think it's hard for – it's. a lot of us don't want to go there if we don't have to. Right. Like, let's just move forward. Let's just move on. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm not and we don't think you got to drag yourself through the mud of, um, let's say, painful memories necessarily. But being aware of where you've come from and how you were parented and what messages you received, how you were shown love, how you were shown compassion, what messages you were given about yourself how your parents managed their frustration, how they showed you what to do when one's upset from a coping response or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. You know, we all, what happens is most of us parents, like we say the primary predictor of how we parent is how we were parented. And some people right. say, well, I parent really different from my parents. I parent mm-hmm. the exact opposite. And I still mm-hmm. say, well, I, that makes sense to me. And that still means you're parenting based on how you were parented because you're making a conscious choice to do the opposite because you didn't like a lot of it. And sometimes that's good, and sometimes that's going too far to do the opposite. So our training is designed to figure out, like, let's take some of the pieces of what you liked, if you did like something, and how can you give that to your kids? How do you do that? How do you make that happen? And if you didn't like it, what are you going to make sure that you do differently because you want your child to feel differently or think about themselves differently than you did at that point in their life? Very interesting, because you're looking at combining the best practices things that you have experienced as a child, as well as now as an adult, as a parent, you have an opportunity to make a conscious choice. And to me also, Dr. Dan, I mean, what you think about this? Because our parents, in many ways, I mean, again, they're always exception to the rules, ultimately raised us and parented us the best way they know how. Don't you yeah. agree? Johnny, you're, you're so right. You're so right. And you said a few like really important things there. First, you talked about best practices. So that I hadn't thought about it that way, but that is a great way of, of describing. We are all experts on being children and being parented, right? Everyone has been parented by somebody or some people or mm-hmm. multiple people. So mm-hmm. we're all experts on what that's like and are experts on what we liked and what we didn't like. So we, we, we have that knowledge, and we just have to ask some of the tough questions to kind of mm-hmm. to externalize it and bring it out. But the other thing you said, which is so right on, because that's what our, uh, our third module is about, is about acceptance. And 
even in really difficult situations, our parents generally have done the best they could given what they've got, given the circumstance. And mm-hmm. what I what I realized in my early career, um, spending a lot of time at clinics, you spend a lot of time with kids that have been abused. It's really tough work. And the first human response, even though you're supposed to be neutral when you're dealing with these sweet kids who have been mistreated and you're looking at the effects is you are angry at their parents. If you just if you're being honest, you are angry at their parents. Right. And as soon as you get to know their parents, assuming they're still with their parents, with a lot of a lot of these kids are, and you learn about their story, all of a sudden things start to make sense and then you start to have compassion for those parents who you learn were treated a certain way by their parents. And then what I realized early on was, oh, my gosh, this thing never stops. Every parent who did this was treated in a certain way by their parents or experienced something, too. It didn't just happen. And so part of this process is trying to find some acceptance for our parents, where we came from, what they did or didn't do, with the idea that they were just human beings. Even though we look up at them, they're just human beings like us just trying to survive and get through life and make it up as they go, too. And then that's the window by which, from that acceptance, we have to learn to accept ourselves for who we are and, 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 and stop beating ourselves up or being so negative and critical to ourselves. We all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. And then from that place, how do we accept our kids for who they are? Mm-hmm. And what are the messages? Are we giving them messages of acceptance or are we giving messages of we just wish you were different, we just wish you would get do a little more, we just wish you would work harder, we just wish you would make the A-team? Or are we accepting their core essence? Mm-hmm. So it, mm-hmm. it's multi-generational. That's right. That's right. What I like about your program is the fact that I think you're giving a roadmap, again, coming back to the best practices mm-hmm. today in dealing with the situation today, the world today, and, of course, the projection of what the world might be the next few years or so, decades or so. And what also like the fact that you do address, I guess, in this case, what I would call different age groups in your parenting and the different roles oh, that you're playing as a parent, whether you were a teacher, a coach, a counselor, so to speak. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and another part of this, which, um, which I think is so key, another module in our training is about energy, and, mm-hmm. uh, which really is about emotion. And how kids, you know, we think if we don't say anything, um, then our kids aren't going to pick up on anything. But our kids pick up on our energy. I mean, energy can be measured. And, and, and especially the more sensitive kids really pick up on our energy. And I was recently told, as an example, about a, a study that looked at, you know, whether parents who worked late hours, whether there was um, like maladjustment or negative effects for parents who work a lot and late on their kids' development, and this is fascinating. So the research showed that there is no negative effects of whether um, parents, uh, the, uh, for the kids that parents work late or work long hours and how they thought. What they found was those kids were more likely, for the parents that worked long and late, those kids were likely to be more likely to be bullies than parents that did not work long or late. And so wow. it then starts you make to think like, wow, that's what I said, like, wow, <laughs> what does that mean? 
Yeah, and basically yeah. when they were trying to take it apart, it was these were people who were less happy. Mm-hmm. They were less mm-hmm. happy. They were more stressed out. And somehow their kids were feeling it and acting mm-hmm. out in ways. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say everything's like totally, you know, causal or correlational, but right. it's fascinating when we just have to think about what we bring home every day. Our kids know. I know my kids, they read my face right when I get home. Dad, what's wrong? And I'm oh, nothing's wrong. Right. Well, sometimes right. they know something's wrong before I do in myself. You hit something very important. On the other hand, looks like you have a very healthy relationship with your kids because it is good to have the child actually noticing how you feel. I mean, in the old days, I look at it this way. Like they would say, well, men don't cry. That's not necessarily Mm -hmm. healthy. And then on the other Mm -hmm. hand, well, you should not walk around, whether it's a man or a woman, to wear your feelings on your sleeves. Mm -hmm. Yes and no. To me, in the end, it's good because then it becomes that healthy relationship because the kids got to learn about real life, real situation. Of course, I mean, we're not dumping the whole tub and bath water and everything on them, but they certainly need to know there's something that happened today that affects me. And let's talk about that because there's an opportunity for a lesson to be taught. I agree. And you know what I'm thinking while you're talking about this is like, Mm -hmm. again, it's like this balancing thing, because Mm -hmm. I agree that we want our kids to not be self-absorbed. Yeah, um, because, you know, if we're going to create this loving and compassionate world, we need people, you know, particularly what's going on in our, you know, sociopolitical climate right now. Like, you know, there's different beliefs and some of those beliefs are loving and accepting. And some of those beliefs tend to be very uh, restricted and more based on. Um, anger and hate. So Mm -hmm. if we want our kids to help us create a world which is loving and compassionate, you need to be thinking about other people and how other people feel and what their experience is. And I I think that does start in our home, right? It starts in our home. So I I think that's so key. Now, at the Mm -hmm. same time, having done what I've done for a long time now, I also know the impact of parents who don't manage have trouble managing their emotions and therefore mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. kids absorb all of their anger and their fear. So, right. Right. you know, and then act it out and have to care or just carry it and are at school worrying about their parents. Right. And you can't be right. present. You can't be present in your own life if you're worrying about your parents. So like there is this right. balance, like everything. Mm-hmm. And, and if I can just keep going for a second, cause you also no, go said ahead. something really good that, that um, triggered this thought, which is, you know, we're we're trying to prepare. You know, our our, our culture is changing rapidly. We're trying to be the mm-hmm. best parents we can in with all the changes that are happening. We can't anticipate what's going to happen in the world or with technology or any of this stuff. But and, and so the thing is, what what's so important to our training and just my work with parents is that there is no right way. There's no absolute right way. There's lots of information that are tell us about best practices, and we definitely know. There are things you don't do. You don't belittling your child, being mean to your child, abusing your child. That is not good for your child's development. Like we're clear about mm-hmm. that from the research. Mm-hmm. The key is to be thinking and aware of all of these things that you and I are talking about so we can try to make the best decision and engage in the best parenting behavior in the moment that is designed to create whatever goal we're looking for with our kid. If we want our kid to learn to be to f- cope with adversity, 
we're not just going to help them get through their homework so they get a good grade. We're going to sit right. through them while they struggle with it, even if it takes an hour and they're crying and have meltdowns because it's too hard, and we're saying, hey, the goal here, bud, is we're trying to teach you that you can get through things. You can get through things, and there's other ways than just melting down. Right? So it's like every, we have all of these opportunities to parent in a particular way, and I just think it's all about us trying to do the best we can, but with a mindful awareness of what we're trying mm-hmm. to achieve. So true. So true. You are listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. My guest is Dr. Dan Peters. He is a psychologist and the co-founder of Parent Footprint. We're discussing his interactive parenting education community that offers parent footprint awareness training to create successful parenting footprints that you can pass to your children and your grandchildren. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Do you have in Parent Footprint programs for special need parents? Oh, uh, that's a really good question. So, you know, you talked about best practices. So I, mm-hmm. th- our parenting program and the interactive nature of our parenting program, the personalized responses, is designed for parents of all types of kids. Mm-hmm. What I will say about special needs, the parents, special need, parents of special needs kids are special people. And one way of looking at it is, there's just an added level of stress than all the other stressors I mentioned if you have a mm-hmm. child with special needs because they need more. Um, they often like, require more. They require more energy. They require more patience. So I would say, you know, I sit for years with parents of special needs kids and with my kids' learning issues. I'm living this too. So I know firsthand it's really helpful to be aware of what you're trying to achieve. It's really helpful to know what's important to you and what lesson you're trying to teach to get the, to get the thing done or mm-hmm. trying to teach uh, patience and self-compassion. It's also we really have to keep our patience and manage our energy with these kids. So mm-hmm. on the one hand, it, I'll say, yes, this is definitely for kids, uh, parents of kids with special needs. And on the other hand, it's still the same program because it's best practices. But there are two parts of the training um, and course that I, that I didn't mention. So after you go through the seven training interactive training modules, there's a portion of the training where you're asked more questions to help you sort of instill and um, write down and capture your insights, your awarenesses, and your goals, and what you're going to work on based on what you've learned about yourself and about your kids and about your parenting. And then the final modules have two components of short videos, again, for the modern busy parent. And these are videos from like three minutes to, to five minutes long. Is There are examples where we call Parenting with Purpose with Dr. Dan, and that's where I give personal examples of where I'm trying to use these strange strategies in being just very mm-hmm. human about these are situations that I found myself in, and this is how I, this is how I processed it, and here's how I went through it with my own kids. And right. then there are about seven videos that have uh, my favorite tools. And these are the tools that are based on the best, some of the best-selling parenting books, brain-based parenting, um, explosive child, uh, the great authors. And these are strategies that I t- end up talking about every day. And so mm-hmm. we wanted to give that as well, too. So the first part of the training is the interactive one and moving to what's, what's important to you and 
divining your vision of successful parenting, right. what you're going to do about it, and then some strategies and examples of how you can use some of these things in your own home. Very interesting. Is there a cost for parents to access parent footprint? There is a cost. So the the regular cost is $149, but we have a mm-hmm. launch special since we are still mm-hmm. excited to be out there in the world, which is half price. Which so mm-hmm. it's like 74.99, I believe is half price. Excuse my math. Mm-hmm. You know, right about that. 74.99 <laughs> is for people to take the training as many times as they want, have it forever, and continue to grow with it. And we really want it to be accessible to all on geography, economics, and just so people can have this information. Very good. Is there any specific age a child has to be before the parent can sign up for your program? Um, not at all. I mean, it. so in the ideal world, we would all take a class like this when we um, are are expecting when we're pregnant. Like, can you imagine if if we all got this sort of counseling? So when stuff came out, when our baby came out, we could start thinking about when they're up all night screaming, or they're hungry, or they're <laughs> writing markers on the walls, or they're you know hitting you, say I hate you, like that you have a response based on your vision of successful parenting. So definitely right. as young. And you know, here's the other thing: we've had even there's grandparents that take the training. Because grandparents yeah. are parents, too, and parents mm-hmm. of all ages, and how they can think about how they want to mold their kids, too. So it really is designed for the whole uh, age span. Very interesting. I understand that your program pretty much, depending on the age group that your child is, your program offers opportunity for you to walk through the process of being first somewhere along the line. We all start out being a teacher, then a coach, then a counselor to the child. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and uh, and then you know a mentor, and then at some point, you know, mm-hmm. sort of an equal. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and now that I have, you know, uh, you know, when when we're when we're raised with our with our parents, um, even mm-hmm. though I think we all still fall into our traps of being kids with our parents, <laughs> or something about that that you can't get away from. Um, but now that we have a home full of three adolescents, I mean, gosh, it's so different. The things that we are, my wife and I are spending our time on and thinking about and talking about. And 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 so important as our kids are becoming their own people and want us when they want us and don't want us when they you know they don't want to hear it when they don't want to hear it and there's just so many opportunities to I think do things that cultivates their growth and there's so mm-hmm. many opportunities which reminded regularly when it's like up oh, shouldn't have said that that wasn't helpful um, right so it's just an adventure it is such an adventure. Very interesting. Well, in a nutshell, what you're trying to do is that every parent, regardless of where you are, in this case, because your program is accessible on the Internet, and this is quite interesting because when I speak about parenting and so forth, about motherly love or parenting love, unconditional love, it doesn't matter where you live, all parents have basically one most important goal in mind. They want their children to succeed the best way the child can, and most probably do better than they do. So as such, your program goes in line with that thought process. Now, what can I get out there that's available tool-wise to first teach me and helping me to teach my kids on how to succeed? Johnny, you just said that perfectly. That, you, just, <laughs> you, just, you, you just nailed it. Yeah, 
That's that's exactly it. And what I think again, what I want to reiterate, yeah, is where the two for one is, mm-hmm. is by us being engaged in our own lives as parents, doing what right. makes us gives us meaning, having friendships inside and outside of our um, homes, mm-hmm. and um, exercising, whatever, it, doing one's hobbies, that benefits you and that benefits your child. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to say just so a quick personal example. This has just happened sure. in our home, and I was just so pleasantly surprised to see. So my wife, who is, um, who is a nurse, she left um, nursing early on and then has been running our center. And um, her passion has been to get back into nursing. And so she just did this this last week. She's getting back into nursing. And what was so wonderful and not expected is how much our kids had not only been talking to her about it over the last few years, like, Mom, you know, you really should get back to it, Mom. And they were so excited for her and are asking so many questions about her new job and how was her Mm -hmm. day and how were her patients. And they're excited for her. And I was just watching this, just thinking about Parent Footprint, which I think about all the time in my work, is like she's showing them how to engage in her own life, and they're benefiting from it just by, you know, secondhand osmosis. So it's just a, a real-time example of I just what she's doing for herself, which is benefiting our kids. Fantastic. Do you have any advice for parents or guardians who are basically on the fence about Parent Footprint? Oh, hmm. Well, what I would say is, first of all, please don't let cost be a barrier because we tried to make it like a good dinner out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I really say, if I'm just talking human to human, there is absolutely nothing to lose and a ton to gain and we've had people who take their time going through the training when they have five minutes or three minutes and just sitting on it. And we have other people who have said, I'm just going to sit down for five minutes, and they find themselves one hour later going through a vast majority of the training. So I would just say I think parenting takes a ton of courage. And for those of us who we want, we want to learn and yet we might be a little have a little trepidation of uncovering some of those things that – looking back and looking ahead, just just, I have the courage for the thing that you will do anything for, and that is mm-hmm. your kids. And I find that our love for our kids will, you know, will propel us to do even the things that we are most want to avoid. So I just, uh, I, it's just, it's an opportunity. It's really an opportunity. Wonderful. Where can someone go to find your books get more information about you and keep up with your latest happenings. Um, so the best way to get to the blogs and the podcasts, which are also part of our um, information giveaways, are at www.parentfootprint.com. So there you'll see the training. You'll see all the blogs. You'll see all the podcasts. We just had a new one come out um, Few day, yesterday or a few days ago with Dr. Stuart Schenker, mm-hmm. who's the author of Self-Reg. It's about self-regulation. That is awesome. And then also you can find more about uh, different stuff that's going on with me at www.drdanpeters.com. Wonderful. Can, we, can you share with us some of the collaborative projects that you're currently working on? 
Um, one that is exciting and going to be released soon actually relates to the first time we talked, the, the Worry mm-hmm. Monster. So for yeah. for a long time after the Worry Monster books came out, people and I'd be go speaking and people would say, like, Where's, do you have a workbook? Do you have a workbook? Do you have a workbook? And um, <laughs> the answer was no, there's no workbook. And yeah. so these two educators um, were persistent about it, and we've been working on a workbook version for kids of a Worry Monster journal um, and workbook to help kids uh, with paper and pencil and exercises and activities fight off their Worry Monster, and we expect that to be out uh, from Great Potential Press in the next two months. So look for a Worry Monster workbook and journal for your kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fantastic. Is there any other particular projects that you're working on personally in 2017? Personal projects. Okay, my personal project. So here's my intention. I've been talking about New Year's intentions. And my New Year's intention and project is really to embrace the uncertainty of life and try to soak it all in because this is all temporary and uh, just try to make the most of, of every day and really just try to be the person that I hope my kids will uh, want to want to be and uh, learn from them as, as much as I can. Fantastic. By the way, we're coming close to the end of the hour. Since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Okay, well, this is taken, so I'm going to say take it from my grandmother. I think the recipe for living is to be present and show love and compassion to everyone you're with. Stay present, show love, show compassion, and just be engaged in your life and show people that they matter. Wonderful. Dr. Dan, thank you for the wonderful recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, January 24th. My guest will be Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be discussing New Year's resolutions that are actually easy to implement. She has some wonderful ideas that you can adopt from her book, Simply Happy to create a happy, confident, and positive life for 2017. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed week. Dr. Dan, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again, and have a blessed day. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you. Bye-bye. This is Maury Moreland Morrison here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings, much more. Yes, while Geico could help you rack up more moolah faster than you can say metamorphosis, they've also been the fastest growing auto insurer for more than 10 years. That's more like it. Furthermore, Geico has fast and friendly claim service. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. All the more reason to say no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. 
Take on 2017 in a new Nissan with available intelligent safety shield technologies and outstanding fuel efficiency. Get to Nissan's Take on 2017 event and save today. Shop ChooseNissan.com. 